Blog Talk Radio. Excuse me, uh, yes sir, I understand, but do you actually have the word yes in your vocabulary? I guess it started when I was a kid. If you said I couldn't do it, I did. Always had a stubborn streak, put a wall in front of me, and I'll find a way to get around it. There was a friend who said I'd never make the team. A lot of small town talk said I'd never leave. Oh, and you know who you are. You all played a part in pushing me on to my dream. it up and get back home It kept me going Knowing I would prove them wrong Yeah, I knew it all along Without a might have given up that long time ago And so I want to thank everyone Who ever told me behind the desk He said, sorry what you got I just don't get Oh, but here I am today Standing on this stage And I wonder even now If he gets it, yeah I want to thank everyone Who ever told me no Pack it up and get back home It kept me going Knowing I would prove them wrong
I cannot believe it is the end of the month. It, I mean, we're almost halfway through another year. It, I don't know where the time goes. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, and that song, I just want to thank everyone, is my mantra. There's years and years and years people have said, Yvonne, you can't, you're not good enough, you'll never make it, why don't you do something else? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have we have arrived. This morning, just on this show alone, we're at 119,292 listeners, just on the show. When you add all the podcasts up, which I haven't done in a couple of days, I would venture to guess we're well over 150,000 listeners in 200 countries. And we're heard on iTunes and TuneIn Radio and FM.com, YouTube, Podcast.com, Podcast Garden, SoundCloud, MixCloud, Spreaker, iHeartRadio. We are on iHeartRadio. And as of today, ladies and gentlemen, as of today, drum roll please, we are on Spotify. Take a minute to find it because they have to have the podcast listed under songs instead of podcast. Why? I have no idea. But we are on Spotify. That is absolutely amazing. I, I am so humbled and so just beside myself. And it's all because all of y'all. This is your show, ladies and gentlemen. It is not mine. It is the show of the listeners. It is the show of the guests. I just facilitated, and I am so humbled and grateful and appreciative of all that you all have done for this show. There's two ways to get on this show. You can either come on as a guest or you can have an ad run. And either way, it's fine with me. Just contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com, and I will tell you how to facilitate that. Now, when I run ads, I don't do it to get rich. I don't want to get rich off of, off of off my listeners and off of ads. For 10 bucks a month, I will run your ad, and I will run it for every show in that month. If I have to reschedule a show, because most of you know the, the uh, situation with my husband, him being very ill, I'll run it another month or two, and it doesn't cost you any more money. I believe that if I treat my listeners and my sponsors right, then they will treat me right. And trust me, ladies and gentlemen, the ads are working. And and the reason I know that is is one of the young ladies who I run her ads for her, her books were number one bestsellers in the country of Australia. And Australia is our biggest listening base on this show. And I want to thank you, Australia. 93% of our listeners are out of Australia. So Diane Moat, who is one of my sponsors, she writes the Sam Holden series, and the second in the series called Dogfight goes like this. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark and wherever the system fails to protect said animal, she'll be there and she isn't giving up anytime soon. You've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dogfighting ring, she embarks on some of her most Dangerous acts of vigilantism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam's world as she unknowingly circles his. While they chase each other, will Sam put those she loves most in harm's way in order to break up the ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life that Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever leave. So buy her books on Kindle and... The first one, if you haven't had an opportunity to read the series itself, the, the journey starts with Dog Gone. It is also on Kindle. So get them today, Dog Gone and Dog Fight by Diane Moat. The second sp- 
sponsor that we have that has been with me since forever and a day. I absolutely adore this woman. Her name is Cece Chamberlain. She has a podcast called Inside Your Life with Cece, which is a motivational, passionate conversation. She interviews people who are living their true purpose, whether it be a professional boxer, an author, or a history enthusiast. Cece strives to give one hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. So download, subscribe, and listen as Cece guides you to pursue your dreams for you to live your best life. This wonderful show is available on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, with all the venues that we now have at our fingertips to be heard, why would you not want to be on this show one way or the other? So contact me. And and you can also contact me on my Facebook page. You will know it's my Facebook page because off the chain is the banner and then my book, Do You Dare, is the profile. So welcome tonight. Tonight we have a return guest. She's been on my show before, and she is she is such a sweetheart. She, like me, believes in our law enforcement. Without our law enforcement and our first responders, we would have anarchy, ladies and gentlemen. So she wrote a book, and we're going to talk about that book. Her name is Charlotte Hopkins, and she is a freelance writer from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I love Pennsylvania. Her writing has been published in a variety of newspapers, magazines, and websites. She was published in two books in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, along with the excuse me with the Shadow and Light anthology and Authors for Haiti. She wrote feature pieces for Newscastic.com, highlighting life and times of Pittsburgh. Her first book, Everything You Wanted to Know About the Heroes in Blue was released in January of 2012. Her article, Five More Minutes, was a tribute to Lives Lost on September the 11th, and 2005 it was read in a military service for soldiers and their families. She released the first three books in her 365 Days book series, and they are titled 365 Days of Writing Fiction, 365 Days of Writing Nonfiction, and 365 Days of Family Fun. Charlotte is currently a reporter for the South Hills Messenger newspaper and the Mon Valley Independent. Her article, Five More Minutes, which is a reflection of September 11th, was read in a service for troops preparing to leave for Iraq. Through her company, Shooting Stars Literary Services, Charlotte assists writers in publishing, editing, ghostwriting, and NPR. Her company also serves as a literary agency and helped numerous writers to obtain a publishing contract. She is so talented. Along with her writing, Charlotte was a preschool teacher and an activity coordinator for more than 10 years. The work she is most proud of is being a mother of two up-and-coming authors. Welcome, Charlotte. I'm so glad you came back tonight. Thank you, Yvonne. Thanks for inviting me back. Well, you are so welcome. All right, so let's get caught up. Ladies and gentlemen, I've known this lady for a minute. Uh, She was one of my first guests when we started this show, and it seems like it's been forever ago, and it's not even been two years yet. But we have been on quite a journey. So you, you, you are still writing for newspapers? Yes, I do. And I also How just started the- writing for another website. Uh, it's called Tube City Almanac. 
how in the world with with two wonderful children and all the other things that you do, do you have time to write for newspapers? I guess I don't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) I understand that. I do. I do. So when you write for these newspapers, what kind of articles do you write? Is it feel good articles is about is it about the literary world and the pitfalls, trials, tribulations, successes and aggravations that, that we all deal with. What do you write? Well for the newspapers I try to focus a lot on the positivity that's going on in the world because there's enough negative stories out there. So I like to focus in on people that are doing a lot of good things and I like to write about them. I like to show that there are a lot of good people left in this world. So I do a lot of interviews about people that are giving back to the community. Well done. In fact, I don't know if you have seen the clip that's been going around um, the our social media, but there was, there was a young man, a young boy in Milledgeville, Georgia, who was in a car with his mom, and he was, they were going down the road, and he had his mom stop, and he hopped out of the car and helped this elderly woman up some stairs, the steps that she was trying to go up using her walker. And it was the most moving video. A guy that was behind him that was coming from his son's graduation saw it, and he recorded it. And the um, when he the little the young boy got the the sweet little lady up to the top of the steps, she hugged his neck. And told him that he was a very special young man. So kudos to his mom and his father and his family for raising him to be cognizant, especially of the elderly. That's the type of stories you write, is it not? Yeah, see, stuff like that, that's great. Because a lot of people, they're losing faith in the teenagers, you know, and they say, oh, they're so entitled and ungrateful. And you don't see stories about people like that. And that's what I try to focus on, those people. How did you get in the newspaper business? Um, I actually got in when my daughter was interviewed. She was resident of the month for the newspaper. And when they were interviewing her, yeah, she was resident of the month because uh, she was doing a lot of good collecting things for people overseas. And they interviewed her, and they talked to me while they were interviewing her, and they wanted to see a little bit of the stuff that I was writing on, and then they offered me a job. That was my first job at the paper. Well, it doesn't get any better than that. I'm going to tell you, it just fell right in your lap. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I want to talk a little bit about five more minutes, um, the article that you wrote. What is that article about? Because it's it's been, what, 15 years now since the the. The towers were bombed, were basically bombed with airplanes. And and a lot of people have forgotten that feeling that we all had that day when we saw the, the planes go into those buildings and then heard about the other planes that were crashing into the Pentagon and crashed into the field in Pennsylvania. We, we re, You know, we remember the towers, but we forget about the other two. What made you write Five More Minutes, and what is it about? Well, Five More Minutes, I was watching the uh, news footage on TV, 
And after about an hour of watching this, I started to think about my son's father. He was killed while I was pregnant with him. And I started thinking about him and how it felt to know that he was no longer going to be in this world with us. And I thought about all the children who are now receiving that same news that their father is no longer going to be in this world with them. And then I thought about all of these people who do have their father and they have their husband or their partner and they don't appreciate them because sometimes people can be pretty mean in relationships. You get used to the other person and you start to take them for granted and you don't realize how precious the time is with them. And then I, you know, comparing the two groups of people, the ones that were now getting this information that their loved one is gone for good and the others who still have that person and just aren't appreciating the valuable five minutes that they have that everyone else is not wishing they had. And it just, it goes on and it talks about how would feel, how would you feel if you were the one who got that news? Because it doesn't, it feels horrible it feels like time just completely stops. You don't even know how to live the next day because your world is pretty much over. And I wanted people to realize how that would feel and to appreciate that five more minutes that they have with that person next to them. And that is true. We, as a society, don't stop to think that in the blink of an eye we can lose the things that are most dear to us and that are the ones that we love I mean the Bible tells us that you know gold and silver can be stolen and passes away and can get lost and it's it's just things but when we lose those we love you can't replace them no you can't and you can't and take them for granted. You shouldn't take them for granted because they're not always going to be there. No, they're not. And and you're right. How would how would stop and think how one would feel if they got the call? And and the first thing every the first thing most people say is, if I just had five more minutes, I would have said this and this and this and this. So. Why not say this and this and this and this now and not live with that five-minute regret? Exactly. To know that they're never going to be able to call you on the phone again. Any opportunity you had to say what you needed to say is gone. Yep, you were right. And, And you can't get it. You cannot go back in time and undo the the unsaid words, the, 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 um, the hug that wasn't done or the the I'm sorry's that should have been said or the I love you's that should have been said because those, those days are gone. Yeah, they're gone. And that's what that article is about, to value that five more minutes that the rest of us don't have anymore. And, and so, ladies and gentlemen, what, what Charlotte and I are both saying is, A, never let the sun go down on anger. B, when your loved ones leave the house or when you leave the house, those three little words, you need to say them because you might not have five more minutes. 
it, life is gone in the blink of an eye. You're talking, you're you're listening to someone that that has learned that through the years, and has has and and Charlotte has learned it. It in five more minutes they can be gone. So, can that article be found anywhere, Charlotte? If someone wanted to go and read it, I can actually send you a copy of it. It's no longer online, but I can send you a copy if you want to show it. Oh, that would be lovely because I think people need um they need that. People need to read that and to hold it dear to them to understand that it doesn't take long for five more minutes to be a lifetime. So on a a brighter note, before we get to <laughs> Before we get to um, your book, you wrote 365 days of writing fiction, 365 days of writing nonfiction, and 365 days of family fun. Let's talk about those three books. What, what are they about, and why 365 days? It started out actually just as an article I was doing for Author Magazine, and it just grew and grew. I was going to do an article on how to help yourself get through a writing jag. And I found myself finding all these ideas and a lot of them I focused on some of the unusual days and how to use a day that a holiday that's come up as an an article for an idea. And I separated into two, the fiction and the nonfiction because there some people are specifically just one genre so I separated it into the two books. How did you come up with the 365 Days of Family Fun? Well, after I did the, fir- the first two with the writing, I decided that I wanted to make it more into a series. And the next one I started was the Family Fun, and I did that because, uh, well, the economy is not the best, and a lot of people are struggling. And some people get upset because they see, you know, I'm going to take my kids here and there, but I don't have the money. And I wanted to show them that you can have fun every single day of the year without spending a fortune. And I showed them how to do it, 365 days of family fun, and it's all stuff you can do together that if it costs anything, it's minimal. And they're creative ideas. Some of them are fun and they're ways to give back. Um, For example, like Memo Day is May 21st, and uh, the idea I had was to grab stacks of those little Post-it notes and take a memo to all the people you know about something you like about that person. It can be your neighbor. It can be the woman in the grocery store, and you and your kids can just make a day of it, and it's fun and cheering people up. I was just sitting here listening to you, and, and I had a, a vision come come to my head. My uh, oldest granddaughter graduated last week. Well, they had a graduation party for it at my daughter's house, and they, like you said, they created a fun day. They took tarps, blue tarps, and made slip and slides with them in their front yard. Down the hill they went on these man-made slip and slides and it's the funniest video i've ever seen in my life even the grown-ups got into it 
They didn't need to go out and spend $3,000 for an in-ground pool. But on top of that, they took the trailer. They have a trailer that they took tarps, and they made a what they call a redneck swimming pool in that trailer. Yeah, see, and it doesn't cost you a fortune. You don't have to go to a park, and you're having a lot of fun. Exactly. And and the kids were squealing with laughter, and the adults were getting mud in places that they shouldn't have been getting mud in when they were going down that slip and slide. <laughs> but Brandy said they had a ball, and it didn't cost a fortune. So yep. now you're writing books with your daughters, correct? Yeah, we're doing our first book. It's more of a fun piece. When she was little, we used to have fun, and we used to make lists for fun. And um, now we're making a book out of it, and it's called Listology. And some of it's fun, and some of it's good information. It's like 51 things you need to have when the lights go out. And 51 things you need you should carry in your car, or 51 things you didn't know about the Munster Marathon. And some of it's fun, and some of it's informative okay let's go to 51 things you need when your lights go out as an example candles for one matches what else um well we have the thing we have the candles and the matches um we have the water we try to get people to do more of the candles with the batteries because of fireproof stuff and water's good, um, a deck of cards to have on hand for when you need to pass the time and there's no lights. And we have a little section on communication, uh, questions you can ask each other, make a game out of it while the lights are out. You can make a game of communication cards. So you make those and you have those on hand. How neat is that? In my case, I have to have a backup generator because my husband's on oxygen. But yeah. <laughs> we we would just have to have the, the oxygen and, and his TV up, hooked up so that he can watch television while he's breathing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're definitely going to watch out of your house. Yeah, I'm telling you, two must-haves. you got to have the O2 and got to have the TV. And maybe an outlet <laughs> for a fan. <laughs> well, thank God for the generator then. Yeah, absolutely. So what I want to do is I need to run three three ads right quick, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about um, some of the other things that that you've done. You published you you published two times, and I can't even talk tonight. You had two articles and two books of chicken soup for the soul, and then shadows and light anthology and authors for Haiti. I have heard of that, but I have not. I don't know what it's about, so when we come back, we will discuss it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain with your host, Yvonne Mason, my guest, author Charlotte Hopkins, and we will be right back. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? <coughs> Are horses your new best friend? <coughs> Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. 
Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and The Misfit Guide. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. <laughs> you so silly. silly. You silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. Former Boston PD Captain Stanford Carter and his wife, forensic scientist Jill Seacrest, have decided to move to the Big Apple to accept positions with the New York branch of the FBI. Rookie agent Shania Deeprose completes the trinity as they collide head-on with raging and rampant social, political, and economic unrest amid a string of murders that seem unrelated and may be serial, copycat, thrill, or hate-driven as they struggle to understand the mind and thought process of the orchestrators, killers, and victims, the team begins to wonder who's who. The line between black and white, superior and subordinate, right and wrong, and good and evil disappears as they are forced to reevaluate their own thoughts, feelings, and philosophies. Ultimately, every character must come to their own conclusions to these questions. Is justice ever more important than the law? Is playing God justifiable if it's for the greater good of all? Come along for the ride to see if Agent Carter will decide to stick to being a hunter or become judge, jury, and executioner instead. Find the answers to these questions when you read the new book, The Killing Collective. The Killing Collective is a character-driven story with big characters with depth. They're soul-searching in addition to the biggest case of the agent's careers. The Killing Collective, available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback editions. Order your copy today. And we are back back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, author Charlotte Hopkins, and we are getting drenched with a fog strangler down here. So if by chance the show goes off the air because my internet dies, we will get Charlotte back as quickly as we can. Now, before we went to break, you wrote two articles or two stories for um, Chicken of the Soup for the Soul, and then you also had articles in Shadow and Light anthologies and Authors for Haiti. Let's start with the last first. What was the Authors for Haiti? Well, in Authors for Haiti, that was actually put together by another author named Jennifer Brown, and she had a few authors work with her on contributing short stories. And the money she raised from that book, she donated to the tsunami victims in Haiti. And the story I contributed was a short story called Charm. And do you think that that short story will ever go into its own book? 
I'm working on that now, actually, because a lot of people asked for that to be expanded into a full novel. So I am working on that, and hopefully I'll have that done by next year. Way to go. Now, the 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 two chicken for the soup souls, two, see, I can't talk. The two books where you have <laughs> stories and chicken for the soup for the soul, can those books still be purchased? Actually, one of them can be purchased. It's called Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Dog Did What is the title of the book. And I have a short story in there about my son's dog, Leonidas. And the second book is titled My Amazing Mom, and that does not go on sale until January. So this one is new. Yes, this one is new. Wow. Well, you have to post it on on social media so folks will know to go get it when it um when it comes out. You also Yeah, I'll let you know. I did that story for my niece, Kelly. It's called A Little Daughter Truth because she's just an amazing mom and I want her to know that. I want her to know that we're all proud of the job she's doing. So I wrote that for her. So she will live on in perpetuity. Yes, she will. And you you also see, ladies and gentlemen, this woman she doesn't sleep, she's amazing. You have a company called Shooting Stars Literary Services. Now tell me about your company. Well, so far I've done quite a bit of different areas in writing. I've helped a few authors to get their writing contracts. I do ghostwriting. I just did a book for a gentleman in Oklahoma, and I work with children. I do career day during uh, Ringgold School District when they have their career days. I go there, and I I talk to the children that want to be a writer. So I just work with a publisher that's actually going to help me get these children their first book deal. And you also do PR work, correct? Yes, I do a lot of the PR work. A lot of indie authors are stuck sort of with how to promote their books, and I have so many ways that writers can promote their books. And so I do a lot of the PR work for them. And do you know that I preach that our our books are are not our brand, that we are a brand? So if someone were to come to you and say, Charlotte, I want to – I've got this book that that I've written and – I don't know how to market it to promote it. I don't know. I don't know what to do. What would be your first piece of advice? The book is already finished. Yeah. So they're ready. They they just finished it. They're ready to publish it and they're ready to start marketing it. So how would you advise them? And and they have their because as you and I both know, we've been in this business long enough. Most indie most authors don't know how to market once they've got the product finished. So how would you tell someone to market their product? The first thing I would do is have them contact newspapers and do a press release. Then I would have them contact the small bookstores to start with the smaller ones since they're new. And they will hold opening book ceremonies for them. They'll hang up flyers for them. The smaller bookstores want to work with writers, so they are approachable, and a lot of writers don't realize that. You can approach them, and they'll hang something up to advertise your book coming out, and they'll set up a book signing for you. And you want to get sort of creative with where you go also 
if you're doing a cookbook, then hold a book signing at a local a diner, a small diner. If your book is about wine, go to a local wine event and set up a table. It doesn't have to be a bookstore. Think about who's going to be buying your book and then go to where they're at and set up your book signing. So a lot of them you got to get creative with, and people just want to focus on the bookstores. But there are a lot of other types of stores and events you can go to also. That's very, very true. And as, as indie authors and as indie artists in general, we have to be creative. We have to think outside the box. I remember when I started out years ago, I always knew I was going to have to market myself, that nobody was going to market me, that I was going to have to do it. And I was doing things that, that hadn't been done before, and people were going, what are you doing? And I said, look, you make the Internet your friend for one thing, and you don't market your book. You market you because you're the brand. The book is just a byproduct. You market yourself, and you go and you approach like you say, the indie bookstores, because it's a win-win. They get people in, and you get books signed. Exactly. I'm holding a book fair coming up this August, and it's just for indie authors. And it's going to be at the library, and it's going to be to promote their books. And I have writing groups coming in because there are also going to be publishers there. And I have writers coming in to meet with them that want to know how to get their book published. So it's not just books that are going to be there. There's going to be artists there. There's going to be publishers there, anyone working in the writing field. So you got to be selective also when you hold your events. You can also invite others because when you get others to join in with you, you get more people to come. Absolutely. Now, let's, in the few remaining minutes we have, let's talk about your book. Now, ladies and gentlemen, she wrote this book. She interviewed a lot, a lot of people. And the book is about police officers. Tell us the title of your book and why you chose to write it and some of the good and not so good things that have happened that happened while you were interviewing for the book, the cops you talked to, some of the stories that you got told, and why you wrote it. What was the the driving force behind you wanting to pay homage to our men and women in blue? Well, the book is titled Heroes in Blue, and I started off thinking about writing for about firefighters. I have written a few articles about firefighters in the past, and I met a police officer named Sean Revis from the Jefferson Hills Police Department, and I realized that they don't really get a lot of positive coverage. Firefighters, they get praised. Everybody loves firefighters. They're heroes, and everyone loves them. And the police, not so much. And there have been a few bad apples, but there are a few bad apples in every profession. Theirs is the only one that stands out. And theirs is the only one where if one person messes up, they all pay. That's true. That is very yeah. true, and that is very sad because we don't condemn one person in corporate America if they screw up. We don't condemn the whole company. It goes on the shoulders of the person that screwed up. And But sadly, like you say, if one cop makes a misstep, every cop is bad, and that is not true. I've known some – I'm married to a cop. 
I've known some really, really, really good cops. I've known some eh, not so good cops, and I've known some cops that, well, maybe they should have found another profession. But you don't paint them all with the same brush because they go out every day and put their life on the line to keep people safe. They take their 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 um, I want to say vow their charge very seriously to protect and to serve in that order. They protect us and they serve us. So yeah, and when, the thing that's great about them is that they do this. They risk their life. For you, and they don't even know you. Exactly. Where we're running out, they're running in. Think of all the, ladies and gentlemen, think of all the first responders at, at 9 11, and that a lot of those were cops. Think of all the first responders that go to the school shootings and the terrorist attacks. They're cops. Now, granted, the, the one we had down here in Florida. I, I don't know if he had his thumb up his ass. I don't know if he got scared. I don't know what happened to this man. But he would not go in, and he was a deputy. He would not go in the school. I don't know if he was afraid of what he would see. I don't know what was in that man's mind. But everybody wanted to paint him with the same brush, paint all the others with the same brush, and that's not fair because when SWAT got there, they broke protocol. In fact, um, nine, Charlotte, I don't know if you read it or not, but nine SWAT team members were put on a five-day suspension because they were at a training session right down the street from the school. When the call came in, they stopped what they were doing, went to the school, and they breached protocol and broke the doors down and went in. And they were put on suspension because they weren't given a direct order to breach, to go in. Well, you know what? They're heroes as far as I'm concerned because it could have been so much worse. And you see, you don't hear anyone talk about them. You only hear them no. talk about the one guy that messed up. Exactly. So when you were doing your interviewing, how... I don't want to say honest because that's not the word I'm looking for. How open were the officers that you sat down and talked with? How willing were they to talk with you and tell you their stories? Well, a few of them were a little hesitant at first because they didn't know me and I'm questioning them out of the blue, and they have to watch their back. There are people that want to kill them. So they kind of quizzed me a little bit first to make sure I was safe. A lot of them did that. And as I interviewed them and they were telling me their stories, and everything in this book has been proven to me to be true. They've shown me medical reports. They've shown me articles. Everything I asked them, I had basically had them show me that that really happened. I wanted to see photos of who they were talking about because I didn't want it to come back later that this wasn't true. And to be honest, there were two police officers I interviewed that uh, were not telling me the truth, and I did not include them because I wanted it to be brutally honest. And I think some of them actually felt good with getting their story out because, I mean, they're just so emotionally beat down sometimes with being hated by the public. I think some of them felt good with getting out that, you know, they're not bad people. Look, I did this. I'm not a bad guy. And the, the sad part, what what the 
John Q. Public forgets is they're human beings. They have feelings. They have emotions. They have families that they just want to go home to, that they leave every day to put themselves between us and a bullet because their desire is to protect and serve. And we treat them like they're third-class citizens. And we should be treating them like they're heroes because they are heroes. They go into neighborhoods I wouldn't be caught dead in, much less at darker in daylight, just because the neighborhoods are so crime-ridden. They go on domestic calls, which is the worst call, ladies and gentlemen. When a cop gets a domestic call, they would rather take a beating than go to that call because they have no idea what they're going to encounter. And I'm sure you ran across a couple of those stories in your research, Charlotte, while you were working on that book. Oh, I did, yes. And and did they I, not say that they did they hate going on those calls? Yes, and I talked to one officer, his twin brother was a police officer who was killed on a domestic call. And and see, ladies and gentlemen, what happens when they get a domestic call? They don't know what they're stepping into. Because nine times out of ten, it's it's the man doing the the crime, and the women are are the victims, the women and the children. But as soon as the cops show up, and it's the the wife or the the girlfriend or or the significant other that's called them, and as soon as the cops show up to apprehend the guy to keep him from hurting her and the children, they turn on the cops. Because nine times out of ten, their excuse is, well, that's my bread and butter. He loves me. He takes care of me. And in the meantime, the man's going, when I get out of jail, I'm going to kill you. So the, the, the victim winds up turning on the cops. Or the man starts shooting up the place, and people start getting killed. So they, they hate going on domestic calls. Yeah, almost all of them told me that's the worst, that's the most dangerous call. It certainly is, and it, it it shouldn't be that way. In fact, there are, I believe down here, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm pretty sure in Georgia, that they will not allow a single unit to go on a domestic. They always have to have a partner, and they have to have backup anytime they go on a domestic because of the danger now. Yes, it, uh, it, it's scary for them. I was One of the officers in my book is Officer Crawshaw from here in Pennsylvania, and he was answering a call about um, a disturbance in a home, and he was waiting for his backup. And as he was proceeding to get out of the car, the guy came out of the home and shot him dead. See? He didn't even have a chance to respond or react. Because that is such a volatile situation now, ladies and gentlemen, not only do do officers do that, but they. I got a knock on my door one day. Now, Charlotte, you're gonna you're gonna just roll on the floor laughing. If you remember, I think I put this up on on my social media. Got a knock on my door, and it was it was two officers, 
and I'm going, what's going on? You know, we had a drug deal down the street or what, and he said, I just wanted to let you know that the city is um, going to cut back your your poinciana tree. I said, what? He said, yes, ma'am, um, they're, they're going to trim your limbs. And I said, and they sent you to my door, took you off the street, had you knock on my door to tell me they're going to cut limbs off my tree. Well, yes, ma'am. I said, oh, hell no. So I took myself outside and I said, excuse me, boys, you don't be sending no cop up in, and I was talking like I was out of the backwoods. I, don't see, I said, you don't send a cop to my door to tell me you're going to cut limbs off my trees, which I didn't mind them cutting the limbs off the trees because it was right there at the stop sign they needed being cut, and my husband and I couldn't do it. I said, if you don't have guts enough to knock on my door yourself, don't send a cop to my door. You just took them off the street, and we have enough crime in this city that we can't afford to have a cop off the street. Well, the two cops are behind me just rolling because I'm reading these people the right act. And the guy said, well, ma'am, sometimes when we do that, we get abused by the homeowner. I said, well, that's when you call the cop, dumbass, not before you're anticipating a crime that's not happened yet. You probably said exactly what they wanted to say. I, I did, because he told me, he said, Yvonne, that I agree with you. He said, this is ridiculous. So I marched my happy little self in the house, and I sent a letter to the mayor, who we know personally, and I told him the stupidity of the city and and the fact that they did that. I said, our cops, we pay our cops to be fighting crime, not be babysitters for grown men. I said, if they don't have guts enough to knock on my door, then they don't need to show up on my yard cutting down my the limbs off of my trees. <laughs> So they went. They fixed that. They don't do that anymore. Well, when you they get mad, like, you really get mad, huh? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, I got I've got drug deals going down on on the streets on either side of me. I got drug deals going down in my neighborhood. The street out in front of my house is is like a quarter mile straight away, and they want to take two cops off the street to come knock on my door and babysit grown men that are cutting limbs down. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) They've lost their collective minds. And then they want to raise my taxes for, um, what do they call it, improvements, city improvements? No. You put the cops back on the street, and you put these men to work, and you let them knock on the door, and then if there's an issue, then they can call the cops. (laughs) (laughs) So, see, you could have put that in your book, and that would have been a funny, funny story. (laughs) So you have some things. Now, ladies and gentlemen, her book is called Heroes in Blue, and I want you to get it. It is it is a fantastic book. It will give you a, a whole new appreciation for our heroes in blue and what they put up with, the stupidity of some of the things they have to put up with, the abhorrent behavior of John Q. Public when all the cops are trying to do is their job. And, Charlotte, have you found that it's harder for them in this age of digital media where you whip out a cell phone and film everything and and you only get 
the last two seconds, three seconds of what's going on, you don't get the whole picture. So it makes the cop look like an idiot, and he's not. It doesn't show that he's been cussed at, spit on, run over, and beat up, and threatened with a gun way before he took him down. That's what they all say, that they never show the 15 minutes before the video. Just what happened after that. Exactly. Because, quote, unquote, cops are evil. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, if you don't have law enforcement, you have anarchy, and you think crime is bad now, do away (laughs) with your police force. (laughs) You You don't believe the stuff that you don't get to see because they stop it. Well, don't what about remember that movie that was out not too long ago where one night a month or one night a year these criminals could go through and do whatever they wanted to do. I forgot what the name of it was. The purge. Yes. yes. That's the way it would be all the time if we didn't have law enforcement. Now granted, I I I would I agree. There is a bad apple in every bushel of apples, but that is not every cop on the beat. And they're just trying to do their job. I mean, we don't say, hey, look, this cop's a hero. They're all heroes, aren't they? No, we don't say that. We say, look, this cop's horrible. They're all horrible, aren't they? That's what they say. And and they're not. They don't get get paid enough. Oh, no. (laughs) They have to do the job because they love it. They all say that. Because if you're going to do it for the money, forget it. And it's like what one police officer, they film him doing something wrong on video, and it's all over the Internet, and it's all over the media, uh-huh. and there's all these protests. But then you're missing the other things that have happened that aren't broadcast, because I guess that doesn't look good to the media. That And one officer who just broke my heart when I wrote his story, his name was Rodney Thompson, and he stopped a man from robbing a store. The man had a knife on him. And he was able to intervene, like literally stop him right in front of him and stop him. And he realized that the man had, he, he did have a knife on him. And when he pulled the knife out on the officer, he maced him and the man started to run and he just kept chasing him. He said, he can't let this crazy man loose into the public. There's innocent people. It's the middle of a shopping center. There's people wanting to shop with their families. And he chased after him to protect everybody it's out and about on their day, and they he caught up to him, and he turned around, he maced him again, and that's when they started the fight. And he thought that this man was punching him, and he wasn't punching him, he was stabbing him. And oh, with no. the adrenaline, and he didn't realize that he was being stabbed repeatedly over and over again until all of a sudden things started to get cold, and he realized that there's blood running down him. And he was getting weak, and the first thing he did was he pulled off his bulletproof vest, and as soon as he pulled it off, he said blood just gushed down his Uh. chest, out from the bottom of his pant leg, and he radioed, he's been stabbed, he needs backup, and one of the first officers that showed up pulled in, and as soon as he pulled in, that was when Rodney just got so weak he couldn't stand anymore, he just collapsed on the hood of his car. And when at the hospital, they operated on him for eight hours. He died twice during the operating room. This man had completely severed his subclavian artery and subclavian vein completely in two. Jeez. 
God, he is a hero. And we're going to end. Hero, and you don't know his story. They don't air that. Nope, they don't. They but don't. He they saved just... everybody that was in the shopping center that day. Saved them all from what could have happened, and nobody talked about it. And with that, because we're running out of time, tell everybody where your book can be found, where you can be found. And let's get this book back out in circulation because it now is the time. Everybody needs to read this book, whether you're a cop, whether you're not. You, we need to support our men and women in blue. So tell them where you well, can the be book, found where the book, book can be found. The book can be found on Higher Ground Books and Media website. That's the publisher that just re-released it. And it can also be found on Amazon, Heroes in Blue. And you can be found on Facebook, correct? And I can be found on Facebook. Under Charlotte Hopkins. So, ladies and gentlemen, go, not right now. You can't because we're not through with the show. But go and get Charlotte's book. Support our men and women in blue. And understand the thin blue line is getting thinner by the day, and we need those those men and women to stand between us and the evil in the world. And, yes, you can put your head in the sand if you want to, but there is evil in the world, and it has a name. So tomorrow night, Charlotte, don't hang up, but I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight and for spending an hour with me and, and revisiting that book and talking about it and getting it back out there. Tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, our favorite band, Cypher, will be with us. They they love coming on the show. I love having them. They are hysterical. They're from Canada, and they will be live. They will be doing a show live while we're doing the show here. So that hour should be fun. So y'all tune in and listen, and we're gonna. it's going to be an interesting hour. I can't wait. So until tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern, Central, Eastern Daylight Time, I want to leave you with this thought. People will forget your name. They will forget what you look like. They will forget what you're wearing. But they will never, ever, ever forget how you make them feel. And it is my desire that when you all turn your, your computers off and you turn the show off and when my guests leave, that you all understand you are very special to me. It is the reason that this show has grown to the proportions that it has. It is because of each and every one of you. And I hope that I have made you all feel and know and understand that without each and every one of you, we would not have this successful show. Also, if you want to achieve greatness, please don't go ask permission because nobody's going to give it to you. Just go out and do it, ladies and gentlemen. Just like the song that I played tonight, just thank everybody and go out and, and create your own greatness, whether it be a garbage collector, the President of the United States, or an astronaut, or anything in between. Go out and achieve your own greatness. Don't wait for permission. And on that same vein, no one can steal your dreams without your permission. So if you have dreams, make them real. And don't allow anyone to steal them from you. And with that being said, I want to say thank you again to my guest author, Charlotte Hopkins. Go and buy her book, Heroes in Blue. This is Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason, and my guest, Charlotte Hopkins, and I wish you all a good evening. Join us tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time when we will have Cypher live and on stage with us. Until then, good night. All right, we're off the air now. 
But when okay. I get off of here and this thing goes into archives, I'm going to put it on my on my page and I'm going to tag you in it just like I always do. And then tomorrow I'll put it up on the pod, the different podcast and I'll tag you on it. And as soon as it hits um, iHeartRadio, I'll put it up and tag you in it so that you can share it with everybody. So now okay, you're going to be heard. You. you are welcome. You're going to be heard in 200 countries and 150,000 people. <laughs> oh, do you want me to send you the link to um, Higher Ground Books and Media to where they can order the book if they want to order it through there? Yeah, that would be good too. Okay, Absolutely. and I'll send you that uh, story about the five minutes, five more minutes. Yes. Yes, I'm going to post do. a picture. I want to tag you in it. I want you to see that picture of Rodney Thompson. If he took a picture on the beach last year celebrating another year of being alive, and you can see the huge scar that runs across his chest. I'm going to post wow. that and tag you in it. Okay, do that. And then don't forget Saturday night, Julia will be with us. Oh, yeah, Julia. Okay. She is publishing my son's first book. Wow. Well, maybe why don't you call in and co-host with me, and we'll talk with her together. Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds okay. like a plan. All right. Yeah, I'll see you plan. again. I'll see you again then Saturday night. <laughs> well, thank you for the interview. <laughs> you are welcome. Thank you, Charlotte, for coming on and spending an hour with me. It was fun. And, of course, we talked about some of my favorite people, cops. <laughs> it was fun. Thanks. All right, darling. Talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye bye.